Welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Steroids Podcast. First thing I want to say is that there are guys who have pre-existing medical conditions who have ask me questions about taking steroids and um, had certain side effects when taking steroids that have been related to their pre-existing medical conditions. And I want to say that for you guys that have these pre-existing conditions and you're listening to the podcast that your side effects and things that happen are not going to be exactly the same as, you know, the average guy, which this podcast is geared towards people that do not have pre-existing medical conditions. So if you have those pre-existing medical conditions, I highly advise that you do TRT and do not do bodybuilding, um, that you are fully under the supervision of a doctor. Um, and because you can you have a completely different set of things going on and um, doing steroids and performance enhancing drugs and blasting them um, when you have got pre-existing medical conditions, you've got problems with your health. That's not good. That's not good. And I highly, highly recommend for you guys to um, not be fooling around when you've got that going on. So I wanted to start out this podcast just to tell you guys that are doing that because I've become aware of some guys that are doing that. They've got these pre-existing medical conditions and they're doing steroids and they're asking me questions about it in relation to their steroid use. You got a whole different thing going on, man. You got a whole different thing going on than the rest of the guys who are, you know, doing steroids, doing bodybuilding. And I'm going to say, if I was in your situation, what I would do is I would go get on TRT with a liberal doctor who was cool with doing TRT, something, you know, between 200 to 400 milligrams of testosterone per week and cool with putting me on an AI and HCG and knew what he was doing. Um, and and that, that's what I would do. If I was a guy with pre-existing medical conditions, um, personally, that's what I would do. I wouldn't be fiddling around uh, with, you know, steroids, you know. Uh, you, you should be healthy, you know. <laughs> you should be a healthy dude if, if you're going to be fiddling around with steroids and hormones seriously you should be a generally healthy dude okay so that's my advice uh regarding that and then the next thing was that i wanted to tell you a funny story so in the location that i'm in the other day i went to the gym and i you know you guys know that i'm not in a western country right now i'm i'm in an eastern country and um <laughs> And so I went to the gym and I, I changed my clothes and then, um, I, there's not a lot of people who are bodybuilders here. They're not really used to seeing bodybuilders. And so then I was trying to get out of the locker room and 
the, the door got stuck. And so I pushed the handle and it wouldn't open. And uh, then I kind of pushed it a little bit more and I was like, what the hell? And so I was like, I, I got to kick this door out, right? And so I was like, boom, and I kicked the door out, right? And it goes flying outwards. And then right then, you know, the, this dude who was probably the biggest natural, the biggest natural at this gym walks by, right? And he sees me and I'm in my Gold's Gym Venice Beach stringer. And, you know, I just kind of violently kicked the door out of the locker room. And, uh, and he kind of looks, you know, like he's seen a ghost or something. Right. And so then I'm just like, walk out and, uh, then we go do the workout. Right. And so then I, I go do the workout and I, I'm, there's him and he's kind of the leader of their group or something like that in the gym. And so of, of course, like I said, there's not a lot of bodybuilders here. So everybody's kind of like looking at me. Right. Cause, cause they're, they're not used to it. They're not used to it in this country. And, uh, so they're kind of like looking at me while I'm working out and, um, you, you know, they're, they're not used to seeing something like that, you know, a freaky, a freaky body or something like that, you know, with angles on it, angular muscles. Uh, that's not what natural people look like at all. Uh, they don't have a lot of angles on their body. They, they have more of a, a, f a free flowing form. Um, and so then I finished my workout and I went back up to the locker room to change my clothes. And now there's about 10 of these dudes here who are local dudes. They're all sitting in the locker room. It's really crowded, all right? And I walk into the locker room and they ambush me. And they go, they go, do you, do you take something, right? That was how they said hello to me. They didn't say hello. <laughs> we didn't talk when we were in the workout, you know, during the gym or whatever. We didn't say anything, but the first thing these guys say to me, so I, w I open up the, the locker room door, right, to go in there, and there's like 10 of these dudes, and they go, they, their leader, you know, that guy who, when I kicked the door out earlier, you know, he was, he was like, ah, uh, uh, a little bit shocked or something, you know, because it, it was kind of like, probably looked a little bit of a, like, violent or like roid ragey move or something, right? And then I'm down there training, I get a pump, and, you know, I'm, you know, a bodybuilder on gear. So, you know, I have a certain look and then, you know, my workout is much more harder and more intense than most people are used to seeing, you know, in a gym, because you, you know, you guys, if you're working out the way that you should be, you can't be quiet. You can't be, you know, working out without making noise, without grunting and stuff like that. If, if you're working out as hard as you should be working out. So, you know, most people are very timid in the gym when they're working out. They're not making a lot of noise. They're being very careful to be very quiet. You know, that's not me. And so if you're not used to seeing that, it could be kind of shocking, you know, to see someone who is a bodybuilder and, you know, then they're, you know, having to make noise in the gym. The workout is very intense. You know, they look like they're probably on the brink of death or something because of the intensity that they're doing. And so, yeah, so I walk into the gym and, the, you know, these guys, you know, that, that guy who was the biggest one of them, uh, he goes, uh, do you take stuff? Do you? <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm thinking in my head, um, hello, nice to meet you too. But I just go, I, I just go, yeah. And, and I had a feeling in my head, you know, like the way that they were saying it, because they were all like, Literally, it's like 10 dudes and they're just staring at me. Every single one of them with, you know, eyes extremely focused, staring at me. And, and you know, with this guy in the front saying, you know, do you take stuff? And, and this, this crowd of dudes, uh, you know, hanging on what would be the next word out of my mouth. And so I'm like, yeah, uh, I take stuff. Because <laughs> it seemed like... A, you know, they want to know. They want to know. They probably have seen pictures of people on protein powder tubs or something like that and been like, you know, we want to go to the gym and we want to get big like that, but we don't know how. And so now here's somebody that comes to the gym and looks like he freaking knows how. And uh, so, so then they, they say, uh, you know, what, what, so what, like creatine, protein or something. And I go, I go, no, 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 man, testosterone, testosterone. And, and he goes, uh, well, will you show us a picture of it? And I go, uh, I don't really have a picture of it, but you know how it is. You know, it's like an oil and I give myself an injection and they're like, oh, oh, it's an injection. And oh, okay, okay, okay. And then all of them are like, oh, and, and everybody kind of like uh, gets it there. And then, and then they're all real friendly. 
And they were saying, you know, where are you from? The other guys started talking and they're, you know, do you like basketball? Uh, <laughs> and, and so, so everybody's friendly at that point. And then one of them said, uh, the, he, he said, uh, I'm natural. And I, I said, good for you. <laughs> so that was how that went. Kind of a funny story. Kind of a funny story. Um, start out the podcast today with, you know, I've told you guys other stories about uh, in the past guys who have asked me, you know, you know, how do you get big, you know, and said something like, you know, three things, diet, training, steroids, you know, and they look like they've seen a ghost. It's it's nice telling people it's a good thing telling people, you know, what is it? You know, the bodybuilding doesn't have to be this big secret, you know, and, you know, having this huge ass elephant in the room like, you know. Those guys obviously taking protein, right? You know, like, I take 30 scoops of protein. Yeah, that's why I'm so big. Like, yeah, right, bro. You know, there doesn't need to be, you know, we don't need to be this thing in bodybuilding where we're lying to people and it's got, it's this big secret, you know? Just telling people like it is. You got to take testosterone. You got to take testosterone, man. They, they, another thing those guys said is they said, they said, do you like it? And I said, I said, yeah, I like it. It makes me more man. And they, they, they like that too. They, you know, so I've found that in, in America and other Western countries that there's more of a judgment, you know, it's like when people are asking like, you know, do you take stuff? Do you take steroids? It, it's like, if you say yes, basically that all that would do is make them think like, oh, you piece of shit. <laughs> but I found that in Eastern countries, that's not why they're asking. That's not why they're asking to like confirm that you're a piece of shit or something like that. Um, they're asking because they, they want to know They they actually want to know. They're not asking to, to, you know, to, to say you're, you're a piece of shit and, and confirm it. They're, they're asking because they're curious and they want to know. They're, you know, in Thailand, I've had Thai men on the street too. Just random guys, you know, who you could tell they go to the gym and they, they would flex, you know, they, they'd, uh, they'd introduce themselves by, by flexing their muscle and saying, saying, hey, I work out, I go to the gym. And then they, they would say, do you take steroid? You know, that, that was how they introduced themselves. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I do. And, and <laughs> you know, it helped them learn. And, and they would be, oh, oh, you do, you do. You, you know, do you, do you take a shot? You know, how do you do it? You know, it, would, it wouldn't be a thing of, you know, like, oh, you piece of shit or something like that. Anyways, those are my, some of my experiences, guys, with, uh, you know, telling it like it is with bodybuilding. Telling it like it is. So... The first question uh, for the podcast today is, uh, there, okay, there's another thing I have to go over is non-pharmaceutical grade growth hormone compared uh, to pharmaceutical grade growth hormone. So I got to clear up some misconceptions on that. And that is that, you know, does non-pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, generic growth hormone, does it have effects? Does it have effects? Because there's been some confusion because of what I've said about, you know, how important pharmaceutical grade growth hormone is. The answer is that, um, generic growth hormone does have effects. It does have effects. Okay. It is not something where you take it and nothing happens. So it can help you with your bodybuilding goals actually. Um, but does it have the same effects as pharmaceutical grade growth hormone? Does it have the same incredible effects as pharmaceutical grade growth hormone? No. Is it the same thing as pharmaceutical grade growth hormone? No, but can generic growth hormone help you with your bodybuilding goals? Yes. Okay. So basically what generic growth hormone does, the average vial of generic growth hormone, how is it going to help you? What effects is it going to have for your bodybuilding? Well, the primary effects that it's going to have is it's going to make you bigger. It's going to make you hold a lot more water. And it's going to do that in your skin and in your muscles. The cosmetic effect of it will be something like the cosmetic effect of D-ball, where you look very waterlogged and bigger, um, you know, significantly bigger. It'll, it'll help you get stronger, too, the generic growth hormone. Um, 
but it's not going to be something that's going to, you know, be like, you know, melting your fat, shredding your fat without changing your diet, which is something that, um, the pharmaceutical grade growth hormone does. Um, and then another thing is that the pharmaceutical grade growth hormone really doesn't have, you know, as long as you keep the dosage reasonable below six IUs a day, it doesn't really have those waterlog in the skin effects. Actually, it, it can kind of help with the detail of the, of the muscle. You know, the, the water retention that it has is really in the muscle, not in the skin in comparison to the Water retention on the generic growth hormone is a very extremely in the skin water retention as well as in the muscle, but major skin bloating um, on the generic growth hormone. Um, and then the uh, the the muscle freakiness and uh, cosmetic effect mainly of the uh, of the pharmaceutical grade growth hormone is is a much more densified freaky look. Uh, in, in comparison to what you get on the generic, you know, what is in the generic? No one freaking knows guys, but here's one thing is that the pharmaceutical grade growth hormone doesn't make you like so much hungrier. It makes you a little bit hungrier, but it doesn't like have this, uh, maniacal effect the way that the generic does, which, you know, most peptides are based on, um, the hormone ghrelin. Uh, which is a, a stomach hormone that uh, signals for your body to start the process of releasing natural human growth hormone. And, you know, ghrelin gets released when your stomach is empty. So peptides like MK677 or, uh, you know, those those CJC peptides, uh, in, in GHRP peptides, those are all based on ghrelin. And, um, you know, tricking the body into thinking there's ghrelin, you know, the hunger hormone, and then you know, you produce growth hormone and, and, you know, those peptides, when you take them, the scent, the primary effect that you notice is just an astronomical appetite, astronomical appetite. Okay. And that's also the primary effect that you feel when you take, uh, you know, generic growth hormone is incredible bloating, incredible body uptake of water, um, combined with astronomical appetite. Um, and they can help you, uh, you know, generic growth hormone can definitely help you get bigger and definitely help you get uh, stronger, you know. But the the muscle gains from it once you get off of it are really just not that impressive. It's mostly like putting in a lot of water, putting a lot of water into the body. And, uh, you know, it's not going to help you, you know, the generic growth hormone. It's not going to be like shredding fat. And making you look detailed and freaky, you know, the way that the pharmaceutical grade growth hormone does. Um, and so that's, you know, the, the way that I would compare, you know, the disappointment of taking generic growth hormone uh, in comparison to pharmaceutical grade growth hormone is like your first cycle and taking 500 tests and being like, oh, you know, I thought, you know, 500 tests was going to be this big freaky experience. And, you know, I was going to be on steroids and it was going to be like, you know, my body is just becoming this steroid muscle machine, you know, fat burning muscle building machine. And uh, but then, you know, taking 500 milligrams for your first cycle and being like, you know what, that was not that impressive. You know, it had some effects. Yeah. Um, you know, had some results, but you know, that was not what I was expecting. And I feel disappointed about, you know, the end result of doing that. You know, that's pretty comparable to what taking generic growth hormone is like. Whereas the effect of taking pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, um, and doing cycles with that is like, damn, you know, this stuff freaking works. This stuff is sick. So, uh, you know, which would be more like, you know, taking a thousand milligrams of testosterone for your first cycle or something, you know, or taking, you know, 500 milligrams of test per week with a hundred milligrams of anadrol per day or something, you know, that kind of effect, you know, where you'd be like, damn, you know, my first cycle is fucking sick. You know, the gains that I made were insane. You know, that's more like what I'm talking about with, you know, the difference between, you know, disappointing 500 milligram of testosterone per week first cycle would be disappointing, you know, generic growth hormone use and just like, eh, yeah, it has effects. It definitely has effects, but are there the effects that you were looking for? No, no. Uh, and then another thing is that you see these, uh, like pro bodybuilders or like amateur bodybuilders, uh, saying like, I use generic growth hormone and, and it's real, it's tested, it's real. Um, but you, you know what, that's just recycling the scam of, you know, 
I take muscle tech, nitro tech, and cell tech. Look, I, I'm holding the box. I'm holding the tub. This is what I use. This is how I got big. And then, you know, you know, pro bodybuilder or amateur bodybuilder or whatever, you know, being like, no, I use, I use generic growth hormone, you know, nice sponsor, bro. Nice sponsor. You know, this is how I got big. The generic growth hormone. <laughs> how gullible are you, man? How gullible are you? I thought you learned after muscle tech that that was some bullshit, man. Just because some guy says that he uses something doesn't mean that that's what's going on. You know, that's not what they're using. You know, if they're, if they're your heroes, your heroes, the guys that you look up to, the guys that you want to look like, the guys you want to be like, if they're using growth hormone and they're having sick results with it, they're not using generic growth hormone. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys, you know, um, and, and, you know, I'm not telling this, you this because, you know, I have some kind of vested interest in it, you know, and, and I want you to only use pharmaceutical grade growth hormone for my benefit, you, you know, <laughs> you know, cause it's definitely not for my benefit. And, uh, you know, I've used, you know, over a thousand IUs of generic growth hormone in my bodybuilding, you know, from very various different brands. And I've used various different brands of pharmaceutical grade growth hormone. You guys, you know, I've really experienced with, with it and, you know, had, had lots of guys that I do coaching with that have used, you know, both kinds and guys that I know in real life that use both kinds. And, you know, I'm not trying to give you uh, information here. You know how I say, you know, generic growth hormone is no good. Uh, you know, it's, it's better to just not spend your money on it, you know, and just, you know, only use pharmaceutical grade. I'm not saying that just uh, because I, I want to say it or something. I'm saying that because, you know, it's, it's definitely the way to go. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, guys have got to learn for themselves, you know. So if you really do want to try it out, go ahead and try it out. You know, I'm not saying you can't try it out or something, or you're insane if you try it out. Cause like I said, I've used like a thousand IUs of it total in my life. And, uh, it's something that, you know, I'm like, ah, this stuff is shit. You know, like I don't want to put that in me and I don't want to spend my money on that crap. You know, that that's the way that I feel now. But if you want to do it, no judgment from me, no judgment from me, man. Cause you know, sometimes you got to experience stuff for yourself. Um, and, and, you know, not take somebody else's word from it. I mean, I certainly did. I certainly needed to, you know, experience this stuff for myself and not take, you know, other people's word for it or things that I'd read for it or people, you know, stuff that people have told me. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that's my, you know, I wanted to clear up uh, some of the information that has been said about generic growth hormone and just, you know, let you know that, you know, if you got to use it, if you got to use it, if you got to see what it does for yourself, absolutely. I have no problem with that because some of these guys, you know, they may feel self-conscious or something about it when they're talking about me, but there is no judgment from me. There is no judgment from me. I've used a bunch of it too. Do I still use it? Would I ever buy it again? No. <laughs> Would it matter if it was tested by some, by some dude who, you know, says, it's tested and it's a hundred percent real. And these amateur bodybuilders say they use it. Uh, so, so it's good stuff. You know, I'd be like, uh, no, thanks. No, thanks. You know, keep that shit away from me. That's what I would say. All right. <laughs> After all my experience at this point, that's what I would say. So that's my opinion on generic growth hormone. Hampy asks, Question for the podcast. I have an issue with some loose skin. I've heard that growth hormone can solve this, but it's very expensive and I don't want to use generic growth hormone. Damn, that was in the right vein there. Is there any other supplement that can help with this problem? Not really. Loose skin goes with time though. If for these guys that lose weight, it's like the first six months after they lose massive amounts of weight. And if they've got loose skin, um, after they've, you know, lost the weight, and, and they're done with the weight loss. Um, then the next six months where they're like maintaining like that skin, a lot of the times tightens up quite a bit, but if they've got, um, skin that is actually hanging, like it's its own entity, it's hanging away from the body and they can pick it up and it's like a flap, you know, it's not just loose skin, but it's actually like a flap of, of skin that is hanging down. 
um, like kind of like a fupa or something like that, or, or, you know, something more, more mild, but you know, it's actually a flap. It's not just loose skin around, you know, the body, but it's actually something they can pick up and they can wave it around that kind of stuff. It's got to be removed by surgery. So there are in, in a, you know, there's stuff called medical tourism guys, where you can go to other countries, um, to countries like Thailand, for example, um, you know, where they have good hospitals and they're very experienced at plastic surgery, tons of plastic surgery going on in Thailand, for example. Uh, but there are other places too, where you can, you know, get these procedures done. But, you know, Thailand is a really good one that it has really experienced plastic surgeons um, and, and very high quality hospitals um, where, you know, if, if you're not able to get this kind of thing done in you know, a Western country, cause it's going to cost you 10,000, $15,000 or something, you know, you can go do medical tourism in these other countries and spend something like, you know, $3,000 on the surgery, a thousand dollars, uh, or $1,500 for, you know, your food, the flight, the round trip flight and the hotel and everything. And, you know, have the whole thing done for like $5,000. So would definitely look into doing something like that for medical tourism, you know, if that's what you, you know, what you think you, you need to, you need to get done. you're thinking like, you know, I can't afford this in, in a Western country, you know, medical tourism is a real thing. Um, and, uh, looking at some of these countries that, you know, are, you know, more poor, but have a, a really flourishing medical tourism industry, you know, you can get a really good deal and a really good, uh, procedure done, uh, with that same thing with these guys that have gyno and they need gyno surgery, you know, you can go get that done in Thailand for, you know, $5,000 or less. And, uh, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, all included with the trip, you know, the hotel, the food you're going to need, everything and the surgery. Um, so this, this can be a way to, to get these things done, these kind of, these kind of things. But as, as far as like supplements that will make your skin go back, no, you know, but if you just have this loose skin that's still hanging around the body, you know, and it's got stretch marks on it, but it's not a flap. Uh, uh, like a FUPA type of flap, then, um, you know, six months, you know, you're going to, after you finish losing weight, you're going to notice, you know, some significant tightening of that skin, uh, because it has elastic properties. Um, but then, it, you know, it, it does kind of continue tightening for a lot of these guys, you know, for several years, actually. But if you're looking for major, major changes, uh, you know, where it's, you're having a, a major change from going to loose or a flap, and then it being like tight, like looking normal looking, then, you know, uh, you're looking at surgery, you know, and, and so a lot of South American countries are, are really good at this too. You know, uh, they're, they're really good at plastic surgery. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but plastic surgery is very popular in South America. Um, you know, a lot of these girls with these, with these butts that look like cement or whatever, you know, it's like every girl in South America has butt injections. You guys, they all have these butt injections. You know, you know, it, there's many words for, you know, what is injected. But, um, you know, a lot of it is hyaluronic acid or uh, Botox, uh, various forms of it. You know, they call it synthol, too, you know, but these sight enhancement things. And you go, you know, these girls go get their butts filled up, um, you know. Uh, every every few months you know go back to plastic surgery get some liposuction and, and you know they get their butt filled up with uh you know synthol uh <laughs> this is very normal and very common in south america uh I, I remember i think it was uh that it was like one of these one of these uh models or one of these actresses uh latina actresses in america said something about you know I, I, it might've been that Sophia Vergara person or whatever her name is. Uh, but I think she said something like, you know, without an ass in South America, you are nothing. You are nothing. And, 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 you know, they believe that, you know, that that's that in their culture. So that's why, uh, you know, if you go there, you're going to even see, you know, these just absurd asses that look like cement, you know, uh, and, and, uh, even, even the old women will have them, you know, women that are like 60 years old walking around with these huge asses sticking off the back of their ass. And it's, it's definitely not real, you know, especially once you get an eye for it, if you don't know that this type of thing is happening, it could probably surprise you. And, and you, you know, you might be like, Whoa, they all have these huge asses, but <laughs> That's not the case. All right. The next question is from 
Parvinder, who asks, I recently saw a latest episode of Joe Aesthetics from Instagram taking only TRT dosage, but I also listened to all your podcasts, and you said stuff like that isn't true at all. What is your opinion about that statement of Joe? Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's not correct. You know, it's not right. You know, you look at that body. You look at that body. That's a walking pharmacy, bro. That is a walking pharmacy. You look at that body. That is a drug body. You look at the way that he trains. You look at the way that he eats. You know, it, it's not fun. I'm going to tell you one thing. It's not fun to maintain a body like that. Um, you, you know, he looks amazing. Okay. He looks amazing. He's, he's shredded and he has tremendous shape and he has tremendous structure. Okay. Um, let's get that out of the way first is that that guy looks sick. Um, but maintaining a body like that is not fun. It doesn't feel good. And usually guys that are do that have to use stimulants. You guys have to use stimulants in order to maintain that. Um, it's not, it's not healthy, you know, maintaining a body like that. Um, you're, you're a walking pharmacy. Um, you know, thyroid hormone usage is going to be heavy with guys who are making, who are maintaining, uh, bodies like that. And then you hear a lot of times these guys who are, ma who maintain bodies like that talking about, you know, how it's not about the weight you're using in the gym. It's not about, you know, the weight. it's about feeling the burn <laughs> thyroid, <laughs> Thyroid hormone, baby, T3 usage, T4 usage, a lot of thyroid hormone. Thyroid hormone wakes you weak as shit. Another thing you'll see with all these guys a lot of times is super, super wet in the gym. So much sweat. Thyroid hormone heats your body temperature up so that you're running hot all the time. You sweat like nuts. You can be like walking, walking up a hill in the rain uh, or walking down the street in the rain sweating because you're, you're just running so hot all the time. Uh, you're out of breath. Your heart can have, you know, like palpitations, like not be in the right rhythm and stuff. That That's not fun. You're very weak. T3, thyroid hormone, saps your strength so much. So this is going to be the type of thing that you're going to hear, you know, a lot of these. You're going to see these signs of the drug use, you know, in, in a lot of these guys. And thyroid hormone is huge, huge with these guys who are, who are these fitness models, okay? Um, you're going to, you're going to see, you know, just, uh, inappropriate sweating, sweating that is not appropriate, uh, for, for the activities that they're doing. Um, you're going to see breathlessness. Uh, that's going to be another one that you're going to, you're going to see from small amounts of activity. So doing small amounts of activity, but then breathing very hard from doing that. Um, and then another one that you're going to see is, you know, not lifting a lot of weight and being like, Hmm. You know, they, they keep on talking about, you know, it's not important to to lift heavy and, and he's really lifting light, you know, like not doing much at all. And that's because they can't do more. They can't do more. Their strength is completely sapped from taking thyroid hormone. Uh, so, you know, then, you know, like, what do you do? You know, you go into the gym and you do the best you can. You know, you feel the burn because you just cannot do more, at least not, you know, more than one or two sets at the beginning of your workout. So. As far as t also um, with, with getting a physique like that, you guys, um, they're not using a lot of testosterone. You know, they're using anywhere from like one cc, one milliliter, milliliter of testosterone per week, like 200 milligrams, you know, up to like 700 milligrams of testosterone per week in that range. You know, you can't look at these people and tell their exact cycles, but you can give ballpark, um, ballpark dosages and compounds of what they are using or of what generally is used to get that look. So, you know, you're talking two to 700 milligrams of testosterone. A lot of these guys use metformin as well to make it so that they can, you know, eat more without absorbing the calories. Um, you know, growth hormone is huge. Growth hormone is huge with fitness models, huge. And, and it has a certain effect on the skin that, you know, after you've, know what the, you know, you've got the eye for it and you can look at it and say, yeah, yeah, I see the growth hormone. So you're looking at somewhere between three to six IUs of pharmaceutical grade growth hormone per day. And it's not generic growth hormone. Okay, guys, it is not generic growth hormone. These guys that have crazy detail, they're crazy lean. 
Um, they, you know, that's not what they're using. Sorry, point blank, 100%. That's not what they're using. Uh, and that's, that's why I say things like this. You know, you want to have these, these freaky detailed, you know, you know, melts your fat off your body, uh, look without water retention and, and stuff, and then have this full look like you're, you're pumped all day, uh, with these square muscles that are big from the inside out, um, you know, very full and 3d looking, you know, uh, with, without water retention and shit like this, you know, that's, that's pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, usually from a pen. Um, and, uh, so, so you're, t- you're talking that two to six, two to six, three to six IUs a day. Um, you're talking Mastron, you know, 700 milligrams per week, definitely Mastron 700 milligrams per week. A lot of times these guys are using Anovar between three, uh, between, uh, 50 milligrams to hundred milligrams per day. Very, very popular. Also, Winstrol in same dosages. Sometimes Winstrol in higher dosages too, like up to 150 milligrams per day. And then um, another thing that uh, you know you, you may not have thought of, uh, Primobolin is very popular as well. Primobolin is very popular as well with these guys. Um, something like 600 to up to like 1400 milligrams per week of Primobolin. Somewhere, you know, I'm giving you these ranges. Um, that these, these guys who have these types of physiques use and then Trenbolone too, guys, like, um, you know, even, you know, a lot of people think like you have to be this freak or something to be on Trenbolone. You know, there are so many dudes who are on Trenbolone who are not big and do not look like freaks. You guys, it's about the look. It's about the look. Okay. And also it's about helping you stay lean. Trenbolone, Trenbolone, Winstrol, both very high nutrient partitioning steroids that make you be able to eat more and be able to stay lean. Um, but the reality is that a lot of these guys are not eating much. You know, they're really not. You know, they're eating like some white rice. They're eating a lot of vegetables. They eat some chicken breast. They eat egg whites, you know, one whole egg or something, you know. They generally don't feel good. They generally feel like shit during the day. And, uh, you know, don't have, you know, th- that's why they're, a lot of them use stimulants. It's very, very common using stimulants in the fitness modeling uh, community. Uh, it's basically the status quo. Um, and then, you know, so, yeah, we're talking, we're talking Trenbolone, you know, anywhere from, you know, 225 milligrams per week up to 700 milligrams per week. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that guys who are not that big, but they're super detailed and they're super shredded and they have sick shape and, and, you know, like just, you know, the detail is absurd, you know, Trenbolone at high dosages guys in these small guys is not uncommon. It's not uncommon. 700 milligrams per week. It's not uncommon. You'll have guys say like, no, you know, you know, that's not, that's not what they're doing, but that's generally going to be big guys saying that. Um, or, you know, guys who have no experience whatsoever and the big guys, they're protecting that status quo. You know, they have incentive, you know, they don't want you to get big like them. They don't want you to have the right information. Uh, you know, they want to be the one with, you know, you know, you know, I am Superman. I am a God among men, you know, you know, I am so cool and everything like that. You know, um, you have guys like, like John Skywalker, who, you know, very low muscle mass, very low muscle mass, um, but has, you know, said, you know, he's on four to 600 milligrams of Trembolone per week, pretty much year round. Um, and, and yeah, you know, that, that look, he's got the look, he's got the look. Okay. And we're, and, you know, we're talking about John Skywalker, somebody who he doesn't have a lot of muscle mass at all. You know, somebody like, uh, Joe, Joe Lindner, uh, Joe Aesthetics has, way more muscle mass, way more muscle mass than John Skywalker. Okay. So when you're talking, you know, four to 600 milligrams of tremble alone per week for a John Skywalker physique, you know, you're, and, and then you're looking at another guy, you know, 700 milligrams to a gram of uh tremble per week for a guy like uh, Joe aesthetics. That's not unheard of. It's not unheard of. Um, is, is it something that you should be doing? You know, no, it's, it's, it's not. But this is what I'm telling you is that walking pharmacy, walking pharmacy, walking pharmacy. Is that really the kind of life that you want to live? Bodybuilding can be such a death cult. All right. And the next question is from Max. 
Um, that's a, it's a HGH question about underground labs. He says he has a friend who uses it and, you know, how can it still work from him for him? It's generic growth hormone. It's like I said, you know, generic growth hormone does not have no effects. A lot of times it even has certain things like prolactin like molecules in it that will give you long-term, uh, sexual dysfunction. Uh, that's another thing with generic growth hormone is it gives sexual dysfunction after using it for um, a long extended periods of time in many people. But the pharmaceutical grade does not have this effect. It just does not. And that's because uh, the, uh, the growth hormone molecule is very similar to the prolactin molecule. They're both uh, created by the pituitary gland as well. And so if there's any impurities at all, you know, a lot of times it can hook up to the uh, prolactin receptors, prolactin-like molecules in that generic growth hormone and causes, you know, some, some, uh, like, uh, receptor down regulations, um, and, and can really give you shitty sexual dysfunction for like two months after you stop using it. Uh, not fun, not fun. Um, next question is from Marshall. I'm 30 years old and have beat my body up with farming lifestyle. I used to lift and destroyed my elbows. They're sore every day. I'm uninsured and want to know where and what tests to get cheap blood work done to know my hormone levels. After I know what my levels are, I'd like to get into I'd like to get insurance to get HRT because I have a feeling my test is low. Any advice on this topic and what blood tests and where to get blood tests would be awesome. Okay, yeah. So there's that website called myprivatemdlabs.com where you can just order. Uh, blood work. Um, and then they contract out to labs all over uh, Western countries, you know, the United States, Australia, England. And so where, if you live, you know, in a relatively large city or near one, you can go to one of the labs that they contract out to and that lab will take your blood and then you'll get back online. And, um, you know, the, the private MD labs place will email you the uh, results of your test. And that costs something, you know, in the range of like a hundred dollars, to go do that. And then it's just, it's just private, you know, with that company and your email, you don't have to get a prescription or anything like that, or, you know, notify anyone or any person or organization that you've got the blood test, you know, it's very private. So that, that's how you can do that with you and your elbow pain. Um, you know, you've, that's not the, the testosterone levels causing your elbow pain. Okay. Um, you, what happens is, you develop um, adhesions and scar tissue from working uh, between your muscle fibers, okay? And so, like, a lot of times guys that think they have tendinitis or they have, you know, old injuries that will not go away, and a lot of times they'll actually feel them in the joints, and a lot of times it's referred pain from uh, muscle tissue. So one thing you guys have got to know is that doctors, Western doctors, are trained to treat structural injuries. They're not trained to treat soft tissue injuries. And so their solutions to your problems when you have injuries, a lot of times will be giving you medications and they're not going to fix the root cause of the injury. They treat symptoms. That's what most Western doctors do. A lot of times they treat structural injuries and they treat symptoms. And, uh, you know, so if you've got something that goes outside of that, you know, that they're not going to be able to help you. Um, and Eastern medicine and just Eastern culture in general has a much better grasp of soft tissue uh, work and so the significance of uh, soft tissue treatment in injuries. So that's why massage is very popular there. So the thing with, with you is what you've, what you've got going on and you should be, what you should do is you should search your forearm muscles, okay? The muscles in your forearms, the muscles in your triceps, and the muscles in your shoulders, okay? You need to put... Use your fingers to really dig into those muscle fibers, okay? And apply a lot of pressure and search for tender points, okay? They're called trigger points. What they'll feel like is they'll feel like um, when you touch it, you'll be like, oh, and, and it, will, it will, you know, really hurt, you know, it'll be a, a sensation of like, ah, that really hurts. A lot of people have these in their calves too or in their soleus muscles right below the calf but uh, above the Achilles tendon um, and a lot of people have them in the front of their shins too. That's what causes shin splints or uh, the feeling of shin splints. Um, but uh, so, so these adhesions, what they do when you've done a lot of work, you've done repetitive motion over time, or you've done the same uh, workouts over time, you know, same exercises as the muscles are 
breaking down and then rebuilding up, breaking down and then rebuilding up in response to the stimulus that you're doing, um, they, you know, scar tissue forms in between those fibers. That's very natural. And when that scar tissue forms in between those fibers, um, they're not able to slide past each other anymore um, normally. And it w- it's kind of like putting like a spider web in between the fibers that kind of makes them sticky and pulls on them and puts tension, uneven tension. And then um, that tension makes the muscles not be able to relax and um, contract, especially relax, you know, normally, which then puts pressure on nerves nearby. It puts pressure on tendons that attach to joints, which then inflames the tendons, gives you tendonitis, uh, pulls the joint slightly out of alignment, um, causes all sorts of problems. And so if you go to the doctor, a lot of times they'll try to treat you by saying, oh, you know, you have tendonitis, but you know, your tendonitis is because you have, uh, you, you have these, this scar tissue, these adhesions in between your muscle fibers. So you have to dig in with your fingers, dig into your muscles. You know, if you feel it in a joint, then you've got to do it on both sides. So for example, you know, your, your elbow, you've got to do it in your forearm. You've got to do it in your elbow and your shoulder. And you got to dig all over the place and try to find these sensitive points. And when you find them, you have to apply extreme pressure and the pressure will cause you uh, acute pain that is very severe. Um, it'll, it'll be like a roller coaster where the pain will go up, uh, for about like thir- 20 to 30 seconds. So keep increasing as you continue applying the steady extreme or hard pressure. And then, um, it will then begin to reside as the, uh, muscle then relaxes and yields to the treatment that you're giving it. And the uh, adhesions will slowly break away as you do that um, every day over about three to four weeks. And then, uh, you know, injuries that you thought you were going to have for your entire life, um, you know, uh, old injuries, structural injuries um, will go away um, through doing this. And so a really good way to do this is to get a hard ball, like a croquet ball or a lacrosse ball Um or baseball and and then to use your body weight, you know, put the body part that you need to, you know, do the deep tissue massage to and, you know, you're going to put it on top of that hard ball and then use your body weight to apply um, force down uh, through through that uh, ball against your your muscle tissue. And then you're going to roll around on top of it. You know, you can do it on your back. You can do it on your arms if you're on your side uh, or your shoulder, etc. And you're going to use that to apply the pressure um, to these tender points and, uh, go through these therapies. And this is life changing. It's life changing. You guys, uh, there is no way that I could do bodybuilding without doing this as a daily treatment to myself. So this is something I do daily to myself or else I'd be in chronic pain, be in chronic pain. Um, so, so this is also what pro athletes do. They, you know, you got, you've got these pro athletes, you know, doing soft tissue work, but amateur athletes, a lot of times don't, they don't, they don't do this, but it's very essential, um, in breaking up, you know, chronic pain in your life. And like I said, me personally, if I wasn't doing this kind of soft tissue work on a daily basis, I would definitely not be able to go to the gym anymore and definitely not be able to do bodybuilding. So that's how important it is. Okay. The next question is from Marcus. Uh, he says, Hey Dan, new listener from Sweden. Love the show. Only podcast I've listened to since I found it. Need some advice on my planned cycle. Uh, this shit is exactly what I needed. Been doing calisthenics as a six foot six dude for one year, and also a lot of fake athlete X type training for two years, which helps since I've had surgeries on both knees, labrum issues, titsies syndrome after falling seven feet from a container on my icy ass, winged scapula, and scoliosis which has gotten better these last few months. I've had some breaks because of shoulder and motivation drug issues as a natural. I felt like shit most of my life. Started working out for real this June, um, doing all kinds of workouts, but I make sure I got H muscle twice a week, pretty hard with a lot more compound lifts, slowly getting my knees ready for squats and shoulder for bench and a lot more sets and reps on everything else. Okay. Um, The advice that you needed you know, I don't really understand what the question is. Um, but this is what I'm going to say to you is it sounds like you've got depression. Uh, it sounds, it sounds like you've definitely got depression. And, um, I would say that that needs to be taken care of. Um, 
you have a lot of injuries um, over time. So what I was just talking about, about uh, massaging out, deep tissue massaging out uh, your muscles and finding those tender points and applying extreme pressure to them to break up the scar tissue, that's going to be important to you to getting your body ready to do exercise. So guys that have chronic pain, uh, if you have a lot of injuries that have built up over time or you are experiencing chronic pain, um, this is going to be absolutely debilitating to your mental state, debilitating to your mental state. Um, chronic pain is a massive driver of depression. Uh, so you've got to get this under control. That's got to be your, uh, your main focus right now is to get the depression under control, uh, for the pain. You know, one thing you can do if you're not, um, so you don't want to go on like, like opiates or something from the doctor. If, if you have got chronic pain, cause that's, they'll give you something like that pain pills. And, uh, that's in the long run, it's, it's not going to be a good thing for you. So what you can do in, instead is you can use Kratom. That, this is something that I used for a year, twice a day uh, when I had uh, really severe chronic pain. And couldn't. It, it was back you know, like over 10 years ago. I couldn't really use my arms for, for about a year because I had a repetitive motion injury and had some trouble breathing because of some injury in my ribs. Uh, so they prescribed me pain pills, okay? And, and that didn't help. You know, it, it helped with the pain, but it was stupid. And so I said, you know, I'm not going to use these. I'm going to find out, you know, what I'm going to do instead. And that was when I found out about Kratom. And Kratom is a very powerful pain reliever, okay? So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to compare the pain relieving effects that Kratom can do to a well-known um, pain pill. So a pain pill like Vicodin that the doctor would prescribe you um, at, um, you know, something like 10 milligrams per day, you know, a normal Vicodin tablet is like five milligrams per day. If you've ever had like your wisdom teeth taken out or something, they probably prescribed you this. Um, uh, and, and, uh, so the pain killing effects of Kratom, one tablespoon or 10 grams of Kratom powder mixed in unsweetened applesauce or an apple that has been blended into a pulp and then mixed with that and letting it sit in there for 20 minutes, the acids from the, um, from the, from the, the apple helps to activate the, um, the psychoactive compounds in the kratom powder um, has similar pain relief properties to about 10 milligrams of, of Vicodin. Um, so the, the pain relieving properties of kratom are absolutely immense, you know, not, not in the same league as something like Tylenol or ibuprofen. And then on top of that, the addictive properties of kratom are more like coffee. Okay. So, if you take Kratom every day and you stop cold turkey, you will feel like shit for about 24 to 36 hours. The same as if you drink coffee throughout the day, every day, and then you stop cold turkey, you will feel like shit for like, you know, 24, 36, 48 hours. And then, you know, by the third day, you feel like whatever, you know, maybe you have a little cold or something, you kind of feel like that. And by the fourth, fifth day, you're pretty much back to normal. So that's what, you know, using Kratom consistently and then not using it feels like. Um, another way to limit the tolerance is to use a different strain each day. You know, Kratom is kind of like, it's a plant, it's a leaf that comes from Southeast Asia. Um, and the, the leaf is ground up into a powder and then you eat the powder. And um, the, it, it's kind of like, you know, how uh, cannabis has different strains, you know. Uh, different breeds, you know, and each one has slightly different um, psychoactive components to it. Um, it's the same thing with the Kratom. So if you rotate a different strain each day, then you don't get, you know, you're getting different psychoactive compounds each day a little bit, and you don't get quite as bad of a, a tolerance. But, you know, the type, the another thing with the Kratom is that it doesn't suppress your breathing like traditional um, pain pills do too. So it's, it's far less dangerous. Um, so that, that's what I think about, about the pain. And then the other thing is that the Kratom has heavy antidepressant effects too. So with you, man, I think that you need to get your depression under control. Um, you know, another thing is that there's a big stigma against SSRIs and yes, SSRIs are not good if you don't need them, but they can help you dig yourself out of a hole. So if you do need to take SSRIs, because if you've got severe depression, you have to do what it takes to get out of that depression. And if you can't do it without, you know, if you're trying other things and it's not working, then I do think that an SSRI would be appropriate. 
um, because that is, you know, depression is completely life debilitating. And, you know, in order to live your life, you have to get rid of that. So uh, hope, Marcus, that you are feeling better soon. Okay, next question is from Castaneda. Question for the podcast. What are the pros and cons milligram per milligram of Arimidex versus Letrozole since they both do the same thing? If I needed to take two and a half milligrams of Arimidex per day to control my estrogen on cycle, would one tab of 2.5 milligrams Letrozole be better and why? You know, they are pretty, pretty similar as far as um, milligram per milligram strength. You know, 2.5 milligrams, which would be two and a half tablets of, you know, normal Arimidex is comparably strong to Letrozole, 2.5 milligrams, which is only one tablet of Letrozole. Um, but the overall estrogen coverage of Letrozole is stronger than that of Arimidex. Um, it, it's, it's just more potent. The overall coverage and the overall estrogen suppressive effects of letrozole are more complete than the overall coverage and suppression effects of arimidex. I would recommend if you're a guy who, you know, creates estrogen at a normal level. If you're a guy that, you know, you take 500, you take a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week. And, you know, if you can take three, four, or even five milligrams of arimidex per week, uh, you know, tablets and that solves it. You don't have any estrogen issues as long as you're doing that. Then I would say to keep doing that and do not use letrozole. But on the other hand, if you're someone who is extremely estrogen sensitive and you are always, you know, you're feeling like, man, when I run high testosterone, you know, it's a mess. I just can't do it. You know, the estrogen control is just, you know, insane. I can't do it. You know, using letrozole in that case is going to be your golden ticket to be able to use high testosterone. Okay, so for me, I definitely would not be able to use a thousand a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week or a thousand five hundred milligrams of testosterone per week if letrozole didn't exist. I just wouldn't be able to get the estrogen coverage from uh, anti estrogens like exemestane or arimidex that I can get from letrozole because it has more complete coverage. It's just more complete. It's more effective. And it has more of a total suppression effect on it where you feel like, wow, like my estrogen is under control and I'm not having to, you know, pop this shit all the time, like candy or something like this and feeling like it's out of control or something. You feel like, whoa, this controlled it. This, this solved the problem. So I would definitely say that, you know, it depends. It completely depends on what type of person you are. What is your physiology? You know, I've said this before that estrogen the amount that you create from testosterone, D-ball, et cetera, is so genetic, you guys. There is no cookie cutter amount for a certain amount of testosterone or a certain amount of D-ball. You can't just say, you know, if you take this dosage of, of testosterone, then you need this dosage of Arimidex without knowing that person's body. Because for one guy, he could need none on, uh, you know, a thousand milligrams per week or even 2000 milligrams per week. Need none. Whereas another guy would be this massive gyno water attempted tit fest taking even, you know, one milligram of Arimidex every day on 2000 milligrams of uh, testosterone per week. So, you know, don't listen to anybody who says that, you know, these, these uh, anti-estrogens can be used in a cookie cutter manner like that because they absolutely cannot. They have to be, this is the most highly individualized um, component of taking performance enhancing drugs. So, like I said, um, if you're highly estrogen sensitive, consider using letrozole because it is way more potent than arimidex or exemestane. But if you are not, then it's going to be overkill because it's so potent. Okay. The letrozole and it's going to crash your estrogen and make it, you know, hard to have a normal estrogen level for you. Okay. Uh, the next question is from James and he asks, Hey Dan, can women take Yohimbine for weight loss? Mine is actively working out, but the options for women seem slim. 
If considered anivar or clenbuterol, please advise. Yeah. Uh, yohimbine, absolutely. There's no hormonal effects of yohimbine. It's, uh, it's a stimulant. So it's, it's similar to, you know, there's these, these fat loss agents like uh, ephedra, ephedrine, um, clenbuterol, albuterol, yohimbine, and they're all, they're all stimulants. They all activate um, what's called adrenergic receptors um, that make it so that when those, when those uh, receptors get activated, fat cells release their stored fat lipids into the bloodstream. Um, the thing with yohimbine is that in order to make it work for fat loss is you've got to take it on a fasted stomach. Uh, on, you've got to be fasted when you take it. You can't have any food in you. You especially can't have any insulin in you. The time to take yohimbine is when you first wake up and then to go do cardio. So it hits your bloodstream very fast after you take it, like 15 minutes, 10, 15, 20 minutes. So if you wake up, you take the yohimbine, and you've got to take a big dosage too. The minimum dosage that's effective for fat loss, you know, for to see real results is 10 milligrams. Um, in, you know, going up to like 20, 24 milligrams, but I do not recommend that as a starting point unless you've assessed your tolerance because, uh, it can drop your blood pressure and, um, make you feel like you're going to pass out. Uh, so you need to, um, probably start with like five milligrams, uh, the first time. And then, uh, you know, if that's fine, you know, move up to 10 milligrams the next time and then slowly titrate your way up to using something like 20 milligrams. Uh, or so, uh, which would be the optimal dosage for fat loss. And then it has an acute effect. Okay. And you, so if you eat anything with yohimbine, it will neutralize the fat burning effects. Okay. So you can't eat until after you've used it and done your cardio. So you wake up in the morning, uh, because the effects of insulin neutralize it, it's, it's effect on, on the adrenergic recept, uh, receptor activation. So you wake up, you take your yohimbine preferably 10 milligrams to 20 milligrams empty stomach. And then you go do fasted, low intensity, steady state cardio. So something like going for a walk, like walking the dog for 45 minutes to an hour, or another thing that you could do would be riding a bike, something like that. Okay. It's not something where, you know, you're using muscle power to get you, to get you going. You know, you're getting your heart rate going, you're getting your breathing going, but you're not using muscle power. Okay. Is a nutrient partitioning activity and it, it wants to use fatty acids. Okay. The body's preference for that kind of activity is fatty acids, not, uh, carbohydrates, which is what higher, higher intensity exercise does, which then if you're fasted, you know, how do you get carbohydrates? Well, the liver has to then do gluconeogenesis, uh, by, you know, what happens is you break down muscle tissue to get the, the protein, from the muscle tissue. And then the liver then does gluconeogenesis to transform that protein into a carbohydrate, uh, in order to get the energy for that. So that's an anti-nutrient partitioning exercise. So the reason why you do the low intensity steady state cardio when you're fasted is because it's a nutrient partitioning exercise. The pro the preferred fuel is fatty acids. So that's the thing with yohimbine. That's the way to use it. Um, the other thing that's good for women, yes, absolutely is clenbuterol because that one you know, clenbuterol is a very effective supplement uh, for fat burning. Um, it's used in the UK at 20 to 40 micrograms per day for asthma instead of albuterol, like the inhaler that we use in America. And, uh, but, you know, clenbuterol lasts in the body for two days, two or three days, you know, after you take a single tablet. So, um, you know, it's working while you're up the entire day and it's working while you sleep, you know, it's very strong, very effective. And, um, it's, it's, you know, it's relatively safe too. You know, they're using it at these low dosages for uh, regularly for asthma in the UK. And those are the dosages that I would recommend that people use them at, you know, 20, 40, 60 milligram micrograms per day for uh clenbuterol for fat loss, you know, starting the first week, 20 micrograms, second week, 40 micrograms, third week, 60 micrograms, and, you know, leaving it in maybe for a fourth week, 60 micrograms or so could even go up to 80 micrograms, uh, and, and doing it like that. Uh, and again, and again, the fasted cardio works well with that. But uh, so the clenbuterol is not hormonal. Uh, it's not a male hormone. It won't do anything to, you know, it's not like, you know, if you got girls taking Anivar, you got girls taking SARMs, that's the same as you, dude, taking birth control. And then if you say, well, it's okay, she's just taking a little bit. That's like you, dude, 
saying, it's okay, I'm just taking a little bit of my wife's birth control. I'm just taking a little bit. It's going to be okay. It's going to be good for me. Man, that's stupid. Don't give girls male hormones. That's insane. Uh, so, God. So, think about that. Think about that. It's going to be okay. I'm just using a little bit of my wife's birth control steroids. What the fuck? So... Computerol is great. It, it reduces water retention a little bit. It's super potent fat burner and it increases their strength a little bit too. So it's very good uh, performance enhancing drug for a woman. If you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.